So, uh, I have a quick story for uh, all of you guys uh, real quick because um, I'm actually just realizing the last time that I uh, was up here on stage, well, last time I was up here on stage, I was playing guitar, um, but last time I was preaching here, it was like right before I got married, um, and I'm still a newlywed, so I'm kind of obsessed with talking about it. So, um, I just want to tell you a quick story about uh, me and my wife real quick. Uh, so, for those of you who don't know uh, how Morgan and I uh, met, we met at my best friend's wedding uh, down in Kansas. I was a groomsman in his wedding party. Uh, her sister was a bridesmaid, um, and we just, um, well, she looked at me in the wedding party. I was like, mm, who's that fine man in the, in the custom suit? And I was like, I don't know this person. No, I'm just kidding. I was kind of obsessed with her. I, so the part that she loves to tell, actually, uh, I was sitting at the head table, and then she was kind of off uh, with her family, and while the speeches were going on, I was like a creep in the, the flower vase, like, oh, who's that? Like, it was, it was crazy. I was a crazy person, but it worked out great because uh, now we're sitting here a couple months married and a kid on the way, so praise God. <laughs> yes, there we go. And I got a clap, Matt. Let's go. Let's go. Um, so, but at the beginning when we first started dating, um, we had decided right from the, the get-go, um, because it was going to be a long-distance relationship, exactly a thousand miles, actually, um, long distance was incredibly hard to navigate. It was uh, something that, um, I mean, like, I've never, I've never been in a long distance relationship before. I've never seen it work out very well, but um, right when we started dating, we uh, kind of made the agreement that we were going to take it as seriously as we physically possibly could uh, right from the get-go so that we didn't waste each other's time so that we could kind of figure out um, if this was something that the Lord had uh, given us for the long term um, and just Let's just, let's just take this seriously, because why are we wasting our time just FaceTiming all the time, right? Um, so for the first month, we basically operated under the, um, under the question of, I'm going to marry this person, what is that going to look like, and am I going to be satisfied with it, right? And so in that month, it was an incredible time of uh, uh, really being vulnerable with each other, uh, with us intentionally getting to know each other. Um, there was a lot of like nervous excitement to it. She hadn't figured out how annoying I was yet, um, and I hadn't figured out fully how awesome she was yet. Um, and uh, like, yeah, it was, it was an incredible time. And so it, it really took us a month, and then we were like, all right, nope, this is something that the Lord's uh, given us for the long term. Uh, I want to be her husband. She wanted to be my wife, and then we just kind of worked towards that end, um, basically when we met in September, and then, well, I proposed by March, because that's how long it took me to get a ring saved up for, and um, then we got married in, in June, and it was incredible, um, and, and of course, we have a baby on the way. I'm kind of obsessed with that. That's kind of a crazy thing that's happening in my life, and so I'm going to talk about it all the time, um, but I think what is happening in my wife's body at the moment, she's growing a little human, and it's just an incredible thing, right? Um, and, and for those of you who have been in on the process, it's been a, a heck of a, a season for us. Um, but man, like the Lord is just doing such beautiful things in our family, bringing us together. Um, and just kind of, I, I, I've never felt closer to my wife, right? There's, there's a, a certain level of uh, uh, emotional uh, and mental intimacy that we just hadn't had before. Um, and as I thought about... Um, what I wanted for our church, uh, not only in the next season here, but uh, one I wanted to start today. And Matt and I have had this sort of ongoing conversation. We've been kind of dreaming about uh, what do we want one church to look like in a year? What do we want uh, to see in your lives? What do we want to see in, in, in your lives individually as people who uh, join us here at one church? And 
I, I, I mean, obviously, my wife is on my mind all the time, um, but I think that there's a level of intimacy that we get with our spouses that, are, uh, that is a equal, if not greater, intimacy than the intimacy that Jesus wants with us, right? Um, and it's this, anyways, I'm going to get in my head of myself if I keep talking here, so let's get back to my notes. Um, so what I want us to accomplish in us today, by the will and the power of the Holy Spirit, is that I want to awaken this kind of passionate desire in you to seek uh, this kind of intimacy with Jesus, just the same as you would your spouse. And, okay, I mean, I don't know the state of all of your marriages. It looks like all of you are pretty good in this room anyways. Um, but uh, there's, there's, there's this beautiful relationship that we can have with Jesus Christ. And Blair's moving away. That's great. <laughs> Blair, I just keep coming back to you and just calling you out, man. I love it. I love it. Um, You made me lose my place. How dare you? There's this beautiful relationship that can be had with Jesus Christ uh, purely by the power of the Holy Spirit uniting us uh, with him. And it's this incredibly beautiful thing. And what this relationship looks like is that we're disgusted with sin. Uh, We, uh, our our hearts and minds have been transformed to look like Jesus um, and there's just sort of deep satisfaction with the life that God has given us, uh, and we can't quite explain it. There's just no way that we can explain this, this joy that we have, but it's there, and it's, it's purely by uh, God that, that we have this. And so what I want to do, I want to take us uh, through the Bible a little bit uh, and just look at a couple of places, and I, I, I'm praying and hoping that the Holy Spirit is going to stir uh, a sort of affection in us this morning. So Uh, With that said, uh, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for our church. I thank you for uh, the opportunity that we get to gather together and worship you and get into your word. God, I pray that you are stirring an affection in us uh, this morning for you, that as we look in the Bible, as we talk about the good and beautiful things that you have in store for us, Lord, would you just uh, begin to ignite a desire for us to be with you today. It's for your beautiful name, I pray. Amen. Okay, so, uh, did you guys know uh, that the Bible is full of works of praise and instructions on how to worship God? I mean, well, it's the Bible, so of of course that that makes sense, right? Um, But here's a few that I want to point out here. Uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul gives us a lengthy explanation uh, of how to corporately worship in a proper way. So when we're here today, uh, God not wanted us not to make a mess of it. Um, if you know anything about the church in Corinth, they were a, a big mess. Um, Paul wrote to them uh, twice uh, in the Bible, um, but a lot of historians actually think Paul wrote to them at least like seven times. So there's just something in the church in Corinth. They couldn't get it. Um, but either way, uh, he felt it very important for, for him to give Uh, the Church of Corinth instructions on how to worship together um, that still kind of are things that we can learn from today. Uh, All throughout the Old Testament, you have instances where the people of Israel uh, heavily valued stopping immediately what they were doing, whether it was in times of war, whether they were traveling, uh, they would just stop and praise God. It was a weird thing to everybody else, right? Because who's in the middle? I mean, I don't have any military experience, but I would imagine if I was on a battlefield preparing for uh, war, I would not stop right there and um, think to praise God. I mean, I hope I would, because that's an incredibly good and beautiful thing to do, but I'm going to be honest, that's probably not my first thought. So it's just incredible that they uh, did that. And you don't have to look too much further uh, than the Psalms to see what this looked like. Um, and so I just want to, the one that I consistently go back to, um, I actually have it written on my pedal board somewhere. 
um, but I want to take a look at Psalm chapter uh, 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Um, you want to know the context when uh, David wrote this? Would you like to know the context as to when this was written? Because it's, it's, it's a beautiful psalm, right? Um, David wrote this immediately after he pretended to be a crazy person to scare off the uh, Abimelech. Like, he was like, he was acting like a fool, and then he was just like, all right, I'm going to write down, sit down and praise God real quick. Okay, that's cool. Love it. Um, and if you know anything about David, that's just the kind of relationship that he had with the Lord. Um, side note, this actually has nothing to do with what I uh, want to talk about. Um, I love David because when you look through the Psalms, uh, you'll get one moment where David is like, I, you know, uh, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, you know, and he says these beautiful things. And then you flip the page and David's like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's like, get a grip, David. What is wrong with you? <laughs> like, like you, you flip it, you, like you flip the dime like every two seconds. Um, but then I remember that in the exact same way. Um, and sometimes I have that same flip in the same day or the same hour. Um, and so I think if it was okay for David, it's okay for us. So that has nothing to do with the broader point I'm trying to make here, but I just want to encourage all of you um, who are kind of feeling a little bit unstable, who feel like they're kind of flipping their relationship with the Lord. That's all right. It, that's how it goes. And God's still with us, and he still loves us, and it's beautiful. Anyways, lastly, uh, this is the coolest thing uh, that I have ever seen in the Bible. Um, in the book of Revelation, it, at the, right at the end, it talks about sort of God's master plan for the earth and humanity. Uh, at the end of Revelation, you find uh, a, a, a John, the Apostle John is writing this. Um, it's a description of what um, the new heaven and the new earth will look like. Did you know that it says that, the, that God is going to replace the sun? Like that big fiery thing in the sky that's keeping us warm, it's, it's going to keep us decently warm this winter, I hear, but without that thing, we're freezing to death, right? So that thing up there that's sustaining us, God's just going to replace it. Like, he's like, you don't need it. That's it. Um, and let me show you. Uh, it says it right here. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. That's exciting. That is an incredible thing. We're going to dwell so closely with God that we're not going to need the sun. That he's going to be our pure sustenance. He's going to, that's, that's it. We're not going to need anything else. He's going to renew the earth so well that we're going to be so close with him. We don't, we don't need that thing that's keeping us alive. It's an incredible thing. And as I say all this, I want us to take note of something in our, our hearts here. As I read these things in our Bibles, um, and as I communicate these, these exciting and beautiful truths to you, Today, my heart fills with joy and excitement, and I'm so hopeful uh, for all the good and beautiful things that the Lord um, not only is doing in our day, um, but is going to do in the future. Because there's a plan there, right? You, you read it clearly in, in the Bible there. Um, it, it excites me. It fills me with, like, I can't stop smiling. I, I've heard some jokes from uh, some people in our church. I just have this continual smile on my face. Uh, it's because of this. Um, and if you're sitting here today or if you're sitting here online and you're not getting excited about all these good and beautiful things, um, I, not to kind of drop this on you, but I have to ask, Christian, where, who does your heart belong to? Do you truly feel like you're a son or daughter of the Most High? Do you gather with us 
on a Sunday uh, because you enjoy making much of Jesus together with us, or, or, or are you here for some ideological reason, or are you here for uh, because your parents have dragged you here to church your whole life, and well, that's, that's all I know. Or is there a genuine love and passionate uh, desire to be with Jesus Christ? Um, see, I, I worry about this uh, thing that I've, I've heard called spiritual complacency. Uh, and the best way that I can describe what spiritual complacency looks like, uh, I heard this story about two years ago. Um, there was this conference taking place in Texas, and in one of the breakout sessions, uh, they had a video called in a uh, local pastor from China. They had to blur out his face and mask his voice because if there was any uh, inkling of identifying this guy, he was going to get um, arrested in, in China. Um, there's an incredible persecution happening there, but the, Lord, the, the church has just exploded there. It's an incredible thing. Um, and he was asked in this breakout session um, what, what his thoughts were on the church in the West. And what he had to say in response to that was just like really haunting to me. Um, what he said was that it's almost like our churches in North America are in this demonic sleep state, not caring for sharing the gospel to the unsaved community around them, not fostering spiritual depth and richness in our churches, and focusing more on the show and the display in church and less on the transformation of the heart in the lives of our congregants. Oh my gosh. Like, that's a haunting thing to hear about us, right? Um, but, I mean, where's the lie? I mean, I think we do decently here at our church, and we're doing our best, but, I mean, I, can, I know I can think of a couple churches off the top of my head that fit that description. And I read this, uh, I was reading this book recently by uh, Zach Neese, it's called How to Worship a King, and I was kind of wrestling with this uh, concept of like, okay, well, what does it look like to be uh, intimate with Jesus? What does it look like uh, to not foster these things uh, that that one local pastor has to say? And now, that local pastor, his opinion isn't the be-all, end-all, but like, dang, that's, that's a hard, uh, that, that is a hard criticism to hear, and, and we got to flush that out and see what that looks like. And um, anyways, uh, Zach Neese was, uh, in his book, was going through this uh, explanation of his, um, oh, how he came to faith and, and when he first started attending church. Uh, and he, he kind of describes this sort of deep satisfac dissatisfaction that he had. Um, and uh, I just want to read this quote to you here, um, right out of the gate here. Um, I didn't know what I was sensing was the result of God's call for my life. God was calling me, as he is calling you, to be more than a recipient of ministry. He has called us to be ministers of his grace. And any church experience that does not place a demand on that calling will either cripple us with boredom and complacency or frustrate us by underutilizing it. This is why many people have fallen asleep in regards to their callings. They have become spectators, watching other people live God's dreams for them. Uh, my brothers and sisters, I, I worry about two things for us. Uh, I worry for those of us who have fallen asleep for lack of stepping into the calling that God has uh, placed on our lives, and I worry that we as a church are not demanding that calling well enough, or we haven't made space well enough uh, for your calling to actually exist and, and flourish. And I mean, as a pastor here at the church, like I think we've made great steps in, in making space for that. Um, and if you, I mean, if some of you feel differently, I'd love to have a conversation with you of how we can 
uh, makes more space for these things. Um, but regardless, I think what I'm, I'm sensing here is that the Lord is waiting for us uh, to lean into him in some deep and intimate way uh, that changes our hearts and minds, uh, that, that has us flourishing in joy as a church, uh, and makes the community outside these walls jealous uh, of the things that, that take place uh, here either on a Sunday morning or midweek, um, and just because the Lord is doing such good and beautiful things in Carlisle and Redverse for that matter. Let me show you this in our, in our text today. There's a passage in John I'd like to, uh, like us to look together that uh, kind of solidifies this, this deeper intimacy that I see. Morgan and I have been doing a, a little walkthrough of uh, John in our own devotions. It's, it's been incredible. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to read this, and I, I pray that we're loving Jesus properly as we, as we think about these things. So um, it's John chapter 2. Uh, On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. Okay, pause there real quick. Um, I just want to speak to the youth in the room real quick. Um, I'm realizing there aren't that many youth in the room, but online. Um, my, my young boys, young, young boys and girls, if you ever speak to your mother like this, Oh my gosh, it worked well for Jesus because he was the son of God and he was perfect. Um, but like, you know, my brother spoke to my mom like that once and there were three of us and now there's two. Um, so, no, I'm just kidding. I never had a third brother. But still, I talked to her like that one time and it, it didn't go well. It didn't go well. So um, if you value your life, honor your parents is what I'm trying to say. Uh, verse five, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water, water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head weather, waiter tasted the water, which had become wine and did not know where it came from, the, the, servants, who, the servants knew, the head waiter called to the bridegroom, and said to him, every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, uh, and his mother and his brothers and his disciples uh, with, with them, and they stayed there a few days and this is a, a pretty simple story, um, but it's an incredible thing that God is uh, highlighting to us uh, here in this point. And I just want to get your attention on two different things here. Um, I want us to pay attention. Um, sorry, I want us to pay attention to Jesus saying, "My hour has not yet come." Now, uh, for some of you who know the Gospels, you might be inclined to think that this is talking about um, the cross. This is talking about his death. Um, but I actually think when you consider the bent of the Gospels, uh, there's actually a, 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 um, a clearer sense that Jesus is referring to his own wedding day with us. And what I see in, in, in the Bible, it calls the church, that's us, you, me, us, we're one big happy church family, um, he calls us the bride of Christ. Um, boys, um, I know it might feel weird to be called the bride of Christ, uh, but girls had to put up with being called sons of God in the Old Testament, so I think, I think we can put up with bride of Christ. Does that sound fair? That sounds fair. Great. 
Um, anyways, what we're seeing in Jesus here is an underlying longing for his own wedding day with us. That is, that he would be united with, with us. That him, that him us, uh, that we would be together uh, as one. And this is not just some eternal reality that waits for us at the end of time or at the end of our lives, but this is a, a, a spiritual reality uh, that is taking place right now, that we are united with Jesus in part by the Holy Spirit today. It's an incredibly beautiful thing. See, your wedding day with Jesus happened the day that you said you would follow Jesus, uh, and we need not to enjoy him when we die, um, for he still lives in us here, here and now, today. Second, I want us to pay attention to the head waiter's comment about the, the wine. Every man serves the good wine first, and when the guests are drunk, then he serves the poorer wine. Uh, but you have kept the good wine until now. It's an echo of this uh, spiritual reality. Um, just as I, I was uh, talking about uh, my marriage with Morgan earlier, um, there's this sort of beautiful image in marriage that God created uh, that reflects our relationship with him in so much as uh, husbands are, just as it says in Ephesians, hus husbands are to serve self-sacrificially, that husbands are supposed to love and to the point of laying down uh, our lives for our wives. And the wives uh, uh, act in loving submission uh, to the husband that the husband would flourish in, in how he cares for the family. And this is, this is, there isn't some sort of um, weird sense of, of hierarchy or inferiority happening here. What you're seeing is this good order uh, that God has created for our good pleasure and God's great glory. Because you go outside of that and it, well, I, don't, I, I haven't seen it work very well. Have you? Just saying. What I'm describing to you today is a kind of intimacy uh, that is one that we find in our spouses, one that is incredibly satisfying to the heart, that is fulfilling to the soul, and beautiful in every way, and that we would find that in Jesus Christ, the one who died for us, the one who saved us, the one who changed us uh, for the sake of his glory, that we would enjoy him forever. It's the kind of intimacy that is fostered by spending great lengths of time with him, by intentionally seeking to know uh, Jesus more and more intellectually, theologically, uh, by enjoying him in fellowship with uh, uh, other people in our church here. It's a possible thing that, that can happen here now. We just need to put the work into it. Um, but you may be asking, so what does this look like for me? Well, um, this is going to look incredibly different for uh, all of us individually because we have our own individual relationships uh, with God, but I think the fruits of it um, are very similar across the board for all of us. What you're going to see uh, is uh, people who uh, not only enjoy uh, fellowship uh, with other Christians, um, but like just have this uh, continual smile on their face, I guess, um, that, that, that just love Jesus so uh, immensely. And, it, you know, you, 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 can tell, you can tell it because, well, I mean, I think that there's some cynical per people in churches for sure, but I, I genuinely haven't seen a cynical person who um, loves Jesus deeply. This, this happens, uh, that what this looks like is, is our worship to the Lord changes. Um, I, I, I want to uh, kind of use my wife as an example again, because I'm kind of obsessed with her. She's pretty great. Um, so there's a, there's a kind of difference between her and I and how we engage with the Lord. See, uh, Morgan uh, loves to sing. She is incredibly uh, uh, gifted and talented. She loves to worship, uh, and that's just a good way that she engages with God. Uh, and she's quite good at it, in my biased opinion. Um, I, on the other hand, 
um, though I am slightly musical talented, musically talented, I actually really engage with the Lord on an intellectual level. See, I love reading the Bible. I love reading theology books. I love uh, reading and learning all these things. Um, but there's this sort of balance that has to be had because if I just did all this reading and knowing things about God but didn't spend any time with Him in a deep and emotional way, um, I can know all these things about God, but I would be a, an incredibly cynical know-it-all jerk. And then on, the, on that same token, if we just spent our time singing the whole time about to, to, to this God but didn't actually know anything about Him, there's a good chance that we're singing to a God that doesn't actually exist or a God that, does, that, that isn't similar to us. And, you know, you, you guys might have your own ways of spending time with the Lord, and it's going to look different for every, everyone, right? There's things that I, that I think are good and beautiful things to do uh, in spending time with God that they just don't work very well for me, right? That's just, that's just my temperament. God created us uh, uniquely and different in, in that way. Um, but I think once we actually figure out how it is that we foster intimacy with Jesus, um, we're actually going to see a lot more flourishing in our churches. We're going to see a lot more... Uh, impact in our uh, communities there, um, and then on top of that, I would love for us to enjoy being together, serving uh, our church and community, and I, it sounds like I'm going into a, a shameless plug for, our, for uh, serving our church. I kind of am, but that's not a bad thing, uh, because when you're intimate with Jesus, when you know the Lord and love the Lord uh, deeply, you want everybody else to know about it, and you want to serve others, and it's a sort of outward expression for our love for God uh, in other people. So I just kind of want to just highlight some of, some of the areas in our church that, that we've kind of made spaces for, for you to flourish in your calling here. Um, number one, uh, Matt's been talking about this for a while. We want to get a prayer team going. It sounds exactly how, how, how it is. We want you to serve uh, our church in the capacity um, of just praying, just being available to pray. That's, that's, that's it. That's simply it. Um, worship, you'll notice that there's a couple instruments on stage that uh, often go unplayed. This is kind of intentional um, because we, this is how we're making space. We want to take our worship together seriously. So uh, if you're sitting here in this room or joining us online and want to start coming uh, here on, on Sunday mornings, uh, we have, uh, want to make some space for creativity. We want to make some space uh, for serving in a, in a musical capacity. Uh, third, kids. Um, I don't know as much about this because, well, I'm not the children's pastor, but it sounds like Michelle uh, and Emily and uh, there's a couple other people in our church that are really getting some good kids programs going. Uh, there's lots of space there. There's lots of kids. They need a lot of help. Um, and so if you, I mean, want to work with kids in some way, um, talk, to, talk to Michelle. That's a great space. And finally, uh, youth. Um, we have an we fostered an incredible uh, youth group over the last year. I feel incredibly blessed to be uh, leading that, um, but we do need some help. We need some we need some extra hands to help out, and I've had some great leaders who have uh, stepped up and helped me out here and there. But uh, um, I, I, I'm noticing this this need uh, for consistent voices um, and consistent not only help for my own energy's sake, um, but our students are longing for that connection. I'm going to close with this, and I'm recognizing the time, so I think we're just going to... Is our worship team still in here? <laughs> okay, I'm going to call the worship team up real quick here then, uh, so we can uh, uh, end in uh, singing together just as we uh, talked about. Um, see, there's this invitation that I'm communicating and extending out to you, and it goes to... Uh, there's, there's, there's 
I, I think there's a couple different camps that I'm extending this invitation to. See, if you're sitting here and you haven't uh, actually kind of stepped into a space or uh, made your heart available for an intimate relationship with the Lord, whether you've grown up in church, whether you've been with us for a while, or whether you're hearing this for the first time, there is an invitation being extended out uh, towards you. Uh, Jesus loves you. He longs to be with you. He wants an incredibly intimate relationship with him. And it's just as easy as uh, getting serious about praying and getting serious about getting into the word. And, and, and um, there's this incredible transformation that takes place where God just changes our hearts in this whole thing. It's incredibly simple, but it doesn't make sense. It's, it's this beautiful, beautiful thing. There's an invitation to those of you who have fallen into this spiritual complacency. Maybe, uh, yes, you've grown up in church again, but, um, you know, you haven't really known where to serve, where to step into, um, and, and, and God's, kinda, God's knocking at the door, but you don't know how to open that door. There's an invitation being extended to you. He's still knocking. He still loves you. He still sees you. He wants that relationship with you. Um, and if there's a way that we as pastors here, if we as a church can support you in, in waking back up, then... I want to figure out what that looks like. There's this sort of deep satisfaction that, that comes with um, being intimate with Jesus because he not only changes your heart, he changes your mind, he fixes all of your intention and, and, and everything uh, basically gets cast at the foot of the cross and, and all you're left with is the goodness and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, uh, and we get to enjoy these things not only here today, but we get to enjoy these things forever, and what I want for our church is that we get excited about that, and what I want for you as individually is that there's this deep joy that replaces all of your anxieties, that replaces all of your worries and your troubles, and your mind and heart is just filled, not with anguish of this world, uh, but hope and joy that Jesus is coming back for us. I'm going to invite you to stand as we uh, prepare to close in worship, and uh, let me just pray for us. Lord, I pray that you would bless us. God, I thank you for uh, this church. I thank you for the community that's being built here. I thank you for the opportunities that we get to serve you, that we get to love you through our community. God, I pray that as we uh, go about the rest of our days, that as we um, prepare to, to end our service here, uh, in singing, God, would you just stir our affection for you? Would you fill our hearts and minds with joy for you? Uh, and God, would you help us to uh, express ourselves in such a way that our love for you is evident to the people who do not come here regularly, who do not enjoy you regularly? Would we have the kind of love and affection for you that makes other people jealous of how joyful we are. And God, this is going to be a slow process, you know, but thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for walking through it with us. And, and Lord, would you just bless us as we, as we do our best, as we do our best to love you. It's really beautiful name I pray. Amen. Amen.